It's official. Tim Lester is the new offensive coordinator. You've heard my take. Time to bring in Biz. We break things down. Beth Getz as the new AD, and we talk some Hawkeye hoops, both women's and men's, all today. Locked on Hawkeyes. You are Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, I'm Trent Condon. That's my buddy Biz, and this is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every single day. We're available wherever you find podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started biz good to see you again it's been a lot of conversations over text and back at it once again you were in carver hawkeye a week ago for the disappointing loss against maryland you and what 6500 of your closest friends in there for that one that, since that then being, that being generous Trent. there were not 6500 people at that really game, so. oh boy it was well, that's where we are. And Friday night, it's Ohio State. We're going to talk basketball here today, but good to see you again. And uh, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, you know, the the good thing about being an Iowa fan is uh, you rarely do you go more than a week or two without some some sort of drama. You know, th- things have been uh, too easy in Hawkeye land and too positive in Hawkeye land. When you talk about all the, you know, all the people coming back, plus the addition of Proctor, all those things, people were... Things were too rosy, so people needed something to complain about. So, enter Tim Lester. People, people for whatever reason are very—that—that's their new thing to be angry about. So, you know, you know it wouldn't, it wouldn't be Iowa is- fans if they weren't angry about something. Oh, absolutely, and it's great for uh, a person like me in the content business because well, there's always something to talk about in the world of the Hawkeyes. Um, one thing that I've landed on, I want to get your perspective of this because you are very thoughtful on this, and I thought you put it well. You know, people Th- thoughtful out. is a good way to describe me, Trent. Thanks. <laughs> Some people would use other terms, but yeah. that, that, that's not. I've for never it. been. For that, that may be the that may be the first time I've been described as thoughtful. So thank you. <laughs> Opinionated too. Um, that, that's more accurate. Yes. Yes. I landed on this. So, all right. We know that Paul Crist was the guy. I mean, that's who Kirk wanted. That's who he targeted. Who knows the reason that it didn't happen, but it did. So I had to go back to the drawing board. And it's, I don't know if baffling is the right term, but it's just, it's interesting to me that these are the two finalists. And I just, with the new power structure of college football, with two power leagues in the SEC and the Big Ten, Iowa willing to pay in the millions of dollars, that these are their two finalists. And is it just Kirk that is looking for a very specific type? Because it feels like there was an opportunity to to go out and at least get a bigger name. When Kevin Johns, a guy that's still out of work right now, uh, Tim Lester, who is targeted to go to Troy, those are your two finalists. I would feel at a program like Iowa, with an opportunity with what they do, if you're given the ability to do whatever you want offensively, or at least have to stay inside the lines. I get a little bit, but have that ability to turn around the worst offense that there would have been more suitors. You see where I'm going here. And is that something where it's more of a Kirk, not problem, but just the way that Kirk is, or am I maybe overstating the amount of people that should have been interested in this job? So I I don't think you're overstating. I think you're, 
I think you're assuming that there wasn't more interest. I think you're wrong. I think there probably was. But, I mean, we heard, I mean, sounds like Chip Kelly wanted the job. Yeah. I mean, legitimately wanted the job. But, I mean, and I'm sure there was other people. There were other bigger names. I'm 100% confident. I mean, not that I have insider info or anything, but I'm sure there was other bigger names that had desire for the job. I, I'm guessing if we had a list of everybody that, that reached out, I bet you'd be, it'd blow your mind. I'm sure there were some very, very interesting names. But like you said, Kirk had a very – I mean, it has to be somebody that fits what Kirk wants. And anybody that thinks that that's not the case is just fooling themselves. I mean, it, it, Chip Kelly wasn't going to fit what – what Kirk Ferentz wants and probably many of the other big names weren't going to. So my, my view on it, Trent is, is two things. One, I'm totally fine with the hire. Do I love it? No. But do I hate it? No. But I think it's ridiculous that people were jumped up and down and thought John's was amazing and Lester was terrible. Cause to me, that, that's just absurd. It, you know, here's the thing. There's three things I wanted out of this offensive coordinator hire. And, and I knew it wasn't going to be a big splashy hire. Cause that's not how Kirk operates. So I wanted three things. One, somebody that had prior offensive coordinator or head coach experience, somebody that this wasn't their first go around as offensive coordinator. And he has that second can help with quarterbacks. And he absolutely can help that. I mean, he is a phenomenal quarterback. He threw for what 11,000 yards in college. He knows quarterbacks and three he's outside the, the Ferentz coaching tree. I didn't want Joe Philbin. I didn't want somebody that was going to come in and just regurgitate the crap we've seen the last couple of years. He's going to be different. There's going to be different things done. Is he going to have to do it within the Ferentz system? Absolutely. But he's, I mean, he's, he's creative. I, you, I mean, I'm sure you've watched some of the same videos where he's doing these instructional videos. He's he's doing a lot of different stuff. He's doing RPO type stuff. He's, he's I mean, I don't have any problem with it. Do I think he's a home run hire? No, but this was never going to be a home run hire. Paul, Paul Christ. I mean, people were all in on Paul Chris, but Paul Chris is a boring hire also. It's not like Paul Chris is the world's most exciting human, but he had been a great hire. People were sold on him being the home run hire. Uh, I have no problem with Tim Lester. Do I think he's going to get the job? I have no clue. No clue whatsoever. But he fits the three boxes I wanted, which was prior experience, can help with the quarterbacks, and last name's not Ferentz, basically. So, uh, But that's the one thing. The other thing, Trent, like at this point in time, I, I am – Maybe this is oversimplified, but I am ready to just give this coaching staff the benefit of the doubt because yeah. what you're seeing right now in the college football landscape is chaos. Yesterday, the Boston College coach left to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL because that's what you're dealing with right now. And for whatever reason, some, somehow, some way, this coaching staff has avoided the chaos coming to this team. In fact, it's been boring. We didn't, we didn't even mess with the transfer portal this year. And the reason we didn't mess the transfer portal is we were so confident that because of our culture, everybody wanted to come back. And they were right. Everybody wanted to come back. Every single one of them. The only one didn't come back was Cooper. But from everything we've heard, Cooper really, really wanted to come back, but just made a business decision. I mean, it was kind of like Hawkinson three or four years ago. He really, really wanted to come back, but he had to make a business decision. I mean, to me, our culture right now, it's not a stretch to say we might have the best culture in college football. I mean, everything around our culture is wonderful, and it shouldn't. It honestly shouldn't. I mean, you look at a team that was dead last in offense, there should be a lot of fractures there. There should probably be yeah. a lot of yeah. infighting and arguing, and there isn't. And that's a huge credit to our coaching staff because our players and our team has bought into what they are selling. And 
for whatever, 90 days, we didn't have an offensive coordinator and nobody left. I mean, they, they trust the coaches. So who the hell am I or you to say, nope, the coaches are nuts here when the players trust them. I mean, the players are all in. And that to me is amazing because you don't just don't see that right now in college football. There are very few places where you have a buy-in across the board and we have it. So I'm really, really excited about this team in general and excited for Tim Lester. I think I, you can, Kurt Ferentz has a lot of flaws, but his ability to build a culture and determine what he wants to keep that culture the way it is, is phenomenal. It's he's, there, there are certain things that have passed him by, but they have hit a home run, in my opinion, when it comes to the transfer portal and how they handled it this year, because they just didn't mess with it. They decided we're going to spend our NIL money to bring back known commodities. And it worked. I mean, we've got, I mean, we have what, six, six year seniors coming back and, and, you know, it's amazing that it worked, but it, it did. So that's my long rant of saying, A, I don't, I'm fine with Tim Lester, but I'm also, I'm really fine with the, the status of this program right now. I, I just, I think, it's amazing what we've been able to do the last couple of months. I'm really impressed. Talk about Tim Lester when we continue here on Locked On Hawkeyes. We'll get some thoughts about what can change, what can evolve, and what it's going to look like, at least some possibilities uh, there. And, of course, Beth Getz, we haven't talked to Biz since her official hiring as the AD. We'll do that as well. We will continue here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl to all, all that celebrate from FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it's about finding that right spot on the couch, getting the right snacks, get the wings going, get some chips, you're ready to go, and then, of course, firing away at all the action that you have with the Super Bowl. A wide menu of props, anything that you can imagine over at FanDuel. With FanDuel, there's so many different ways for you to end the season with the W, or two, or three, or even more than that. Not only can you bet on who's going to win Super Bowl 58 between the 49ers and the Chiefs, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown. First touchdown scored, multiple touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey, and how many points will be scored. There's so much more there as well at FanDuel. Plus, new customers join today. You're going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Trenton Biz back with you again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Biz, uh, you talked about Tim Lester, some of the RPO stuff. Talked about that earlier in the week. I think there's some people out there that equate that with read option. Those are two different things. Uh, I equated it to Tanner Morgan, what he did at Minnesota, what, five years back when they were really rolling. And those plays were, at times, undefendable. Now, they had great wide receivers to go along with it, with what Bateman, Ottman Bell, and they had some uh, good dudes out wide. But it was a really difficult offense to stop. And they were very successful, but it was still based on a running game. And with the depth of the running back position, Caden Proctor coming in and solidifying that offensive line, I think you're going to see a big step forward, a starting point, at least a wide receiver, obviously with Caleb Brown, and then a two tight end system with Luke Lachey and Addison Estrenga. It's if he can get this thing and hit the ground running, I feel like there's a real opportunity for this offense, not just to improve and become even okay. Maybe even more than that. Now, it is a new system when we've seen growing pains in the past, but 
I'm excited about that on the surface of some new ideas and definitely opening up what they do in the passing game offensively. Yeah. Well, and most importantly, I think it, I think it fits with Kate McNamara's strengths also, because I think in order to run that system, you have to have a, a smart quarterback and B a quarterback who's accurate in the short passing game. And I think those are two strengths he has. I think, I think he's capable of making the right reads and getting it to the right, right people in those situations. I think Tanner Morgan comparison is a perfect one because, you know, obviously Lester's got a Western Michigan and, and sad to say this, but I'm sure he's probably connected to Fleck in, in some way. Um, yeah. But uh, obviously he must be very different than Fleck because uh, you know, <laughs> as we all know, Kirk despises Fleck with every, uh, every, uh, you know, as, as much as he can despise a person, but uh, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I I think there's a like you said there's gonna be some growing pains it's gonna be ugly at times but I I'm excited it's gonna be different and that's that's all we can ask for at this point um, the other you know we talked a lot about the Tim Lester hire trying to get your take on the uh, the other hire that that because the other hire is the one that worries me more John Budmeyer as wide receiver coach makes no sense to me I just I don't I don't understand it I'm not necessarily mad about it or anything I mean obviously John Budmeyer is probably a good coach. But to me, a wide receiver coach needs to be so much more than just a wide receiver coach. They're, they have to be a recruiter. And I think that probably was Kel- Copeland's downfall is they didn't bring in enough recruits or didn't keep enough recruits here. That's pure yeah. speculation, but that's my my guess is that they wanted him to be more of a recruiter down south and he had connections in Florida and things like that and it didn't really happen. And I just question, what are John Budmeyer's where is he connected at? Where, where, what, what's he going to do on the recruiting side? And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's a great recruiter. I don't know. But I just, I, I'm confused by that hire, I guess. I'm right there with you. Um, it's something that talked about weeks ago here as somebody uh, inside the program. I got a little information on that one that that was happening. And at least one of these scholarship receivers was not real pleased uh, about that when the word was coming down that Bud Meyer was going to become the wide receiver coach. It's, on the surface, doesn't make sense. He's never coached wide receivers before. We know you don't have to play a position to be a great coach. You don't have to have a background. Guys bounce around all the time and continue to be successful. There, there's a part of it almost feels like you need a wellness check on, on Kirk Ferentz here as he's approaching 70 because what does John Budmeyer have that that he is just uh, the apple of the eye of Kirk Ferentz, putting him in the role as the analyst uh, two years ago at the quarterback coach. We didn't see improvements there. Uh, then becoming, what, an, a special assistant after that. There just wasn't a whole lot there. We well, and I'm fine with him. Sta- I'm, I'm fine with him staying in those positions. He wants to be an analyst. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I, well, I, I don't get. I just, it's confusing me. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, it's a very difficult one on the surface level to kind of get to if Bud Meyer is the guy. And all signs point to that. Told you, I heard that, and uh, uh, the uh, the relay of information was definitely interesting. I did think it was interesting. He did not get announced yesterday. I thought they'd announce them kind of together. So yep. maybe there's a little more pushback and maybe it's not a done deal. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I've heard it. I, I've, had this, I've heard the same things you have. There's been a done deal for weeks, but mm-hmm. it's not yet. So maybe it's not. I don't know. And maybe this is Tim Lester uh, saying that he would like to have somebody, you know, that has a background of what he wants to do. And he's not teaching, not just, you know, all the players, but also all the coaches, kind of some of the evolution that we're going to see offensively. And maybe uh, that's still a conversation that's happening there. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting one, though, and and very difficult. So, you know, when we talk about the RPO, we talked about, you know, the way Minnesota's run it and tons of programs run these kind of uh, systems. Now, you talked about McNamara, absolutely really good. Marrying that, though, with what Iowa wants to do still running the football is we saw how difficult it was evolving from what Ken O'Keefe did 
into Greg Davis and bringing in an outsider in. That first year was awful. James Vandenberg went from a pretty good college quarterback to just brutal, just absolutely awful. I'm hopeful that we're not going to see the same kind of issues there. But uh, Kurt talked about it. I remember at the end of that season, uh, Chad Leistikow talked about this the other day, is he talked about it at the end of the year and said it took a while for Greg to understand the way that we want to do things here. And I don't think we're going to have the same kind of issues, but anytime you're changing systems, there, there can be growing pains. I guess the good news is you can't be worse than you were a year ago. Yeah. Well, and that's why I just keep going back to Kate McNamara. I mean, he's so unbelievably important for this team just because of his experience and his, I guess you call it moxie. I mean, he's got an arrogance to him that, I mean, he wasn't great during the four games he played, but man, he, uh, he commands the huddle. He's got a leadership quality about him that, I mean, I think he will, whatever system, I mean, he's, he's had to go through what this, this will be his fourth different coordinator in six years. This is not new to him. I mean, he, he had to jump around different coordinators at Michigan, different coordinators here. I mean, if anybody is able to adjust to a new system, it should be Kate McNamara because he's had to do it right. five times. So yeah. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is if, I mean, if he hurt, if he gets hurt, we're probably in deep trouble again. But if he's healthy, there's no reason this can't be a top 15 team next year. And spring going to be very important for Marco Lyonez with McNamara working his way back from the injury, getting him a lot of reps. <laughs> Excuse me. We know that Deacon is not the guy, right? Deacon, we saw it this year. He's, we'll save that. He's not the guy. We'll, we'll save that yes. for the podcast. So. Well, let's uh, let's get into another hire that happened here recently. Since the last time we talked, Beth Getz is the new athletic director for the University of Iowa. Comes as no surprise there. You were um, as ardent of a detractor of the <laughs> Garibarda era as anybody uh, out there. So got a new one. And certainly on the surface, uh, this one seems like very good. A, a very good background. A lot of respect. Did a difficult thing in getting rid of Brian in season, yet still maintain, I think, a, a really good relationship inside the fan base. And we'll see in the walls of Fort Kinnick if that remains there, too. But your thoughts on Beth Getz? Oh, I, I can't say enough good things about Beth Getz. She, she is, as you know, anybody that was not Gary Barta, I was going to be happy with. But she, but she is the anti-Gary Barta in so many ways. You just hear her talk. And you just see her at events. Like, my biggest hatred for Gary Barta is I just thought he was completely fake. I, I, I don't think anything that came out of his mouth was ever genuine. I think he was just a businessman in a suit who happened to be our athletic director. And that's fine. But he was full of shit. And he, because of that, like, he didn't, he, he made business decisions, not like, and it cost us in many different ways. And I could go on a 30 minute rant about how much I dislike Gary Barta, but mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. Beth Getz is the opposite. I mean, you talk, if you listen to her talk, like she gives thoughtful reasoned responses. She actually thinks before she talks, like she doesn't talk like a robot. She's actually like, and when she says, this is my dream job and I want to be here for life. I believe her. I mean, I really think this is something that she has, she's put in the time, the effort, everything to get to this point. And she, I mean, she had to work her butt off to get here and she's going to work her butt off to, to, to be the best she can be. So I, I'm, I'm extremely excited for Beth Getz. I think she checks every single box. I don't have a single issue with her. I'm sure down the road, there'll be, I'm sure I'll find issues down the road, but uh, as of now, I don't know how any Iowa fan could not be excited for her. Kirk will be 69 when football season starts. Fran turns 65 in May. Lisa Bluter, 63 in April. Rick Huller, 
uh, is going to be turning 60 soon. There's a lot there. Tom Brands has been around for a long time. This ultimately is going to come down to her hires. And missteps are one thing. Mistakes that are, are probably going to happen because it's just kind of part of the role as an athletic director. But all it's about eventually is getting these hires right. When they come, getting those hires right. That's, I guess, the one question. But we don't know. I mean, it's just you don't know how this is going to play out until we get there. How confident are you that she's going to have the connections, making the right decisions, and ultimately hiring the right people to continue some very successful programs? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a lot of luck with that. Also, I mean, you got you got to find the right person, and then you know things got to fall away. When you're when you're at Iowa, we talk about all the time the margin of error in every sport is is, is thin, and so. You know, but what I am confident of is that there'll be plenty of people out there that will want to work with her. I just think she's respected across the industry, and I think people will have a desire to to want to be here. And I think she will make Iowa a desirable spot. I mean, we're we're in a good condition, we're a good position right now with the whole expanding Big Ten, and we got plenty of money. And you know, we've got you know, I think our NIL group is is good. It's not amazing, but it's good enough. And mm-hmm. um, all those things. I mean. I wouldn't have given her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, until we see who the hire is, you really, you know, like I said, who knows? But I'm, I don't have a single issue with her whatsoever. So yes, the answer is I, I'm confident she will, she will hopefully make the right hires. We will continue here, locked on Hawkeyes, and get into a little basketball talk. An easy victory last night. Iowa favored by 35 against Northwestern. They win by 36. How does Vegas know everything? I got that one right, or at least right by the number in you, Iowa. You, you, bet, you bet on a 35-point at Northwestern spread last night. That might, that might be a sign you have an issue. Well, <laughs> there's been plenty of signs before that, and I had the wrong side. I, I had the Wildcats plus 35 and was feeling good through uh, most of the first half. Hit the last, somebody hit the last three. Who was that? Was it uh, yeah, get, the girl from Johnston? I, yeah, I was putting the uh, the kids to sleep, and I looked at the final score and just shook. I believe head. it was the Jada Gamfield and never drained a three. I think I I called plenty of her games in high school. Home, you got hosed by the hometown girl, Trent. I did, I did. It was a rough one. We'll talk a little more about the women's hoops team and, of course, the men. Quick turnaround now with Ohio State coming up, and uh, what's the attendance going to look like in Carver for that one? As we continue, locked on Hawkeyes. Trenton Biz back with you one final time. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Hoops, uh, let's start with the women. And they go out to Maryland coming up this weekend. Easy win against Northwestern. Ticket prices were ridiculous at Northwestern uh, last night. But uh, Maryland, this is not the Maryland team that we're used to with Brendan Fre- Brenda Freeze and the Cedar Rapids native, what she has built out there. Uh, they got blown out by Indiana yesterday. Uh, game where they came back and it got, I think, to single digits, but they were down 25 at one point in that game. This is not standard Maryland, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to be physical. They're going to be tough. They're going to have some athletes. This one always feels like a matchup where things can go a little bit different for the women's program when they take on the Terps. Yeah, but I think we're catching them certainly at the right time. I mean, they, they're a mess right now. And so, I mean, the fact of the matter is if, if we're the team we think we we are, we should be able to go to Maryland and win by double digits. And that's, I mean, not saying it's going to happen for sure, but I don't know. I mean, this team, I, I'll give this team credit. They've done a nice job of repeatedly taking care of business. And I, I think they will again. I mean, I, you know, I, I've been impressed. There's been multiple girls, I think, that have taken some steps in the right direction in the last month that 
lead me to believe this team has a chance to get back to the Final Four. A month ago, I wasn't very confident we were going to get there, but you know, Molly Davis has been great the last month. Yes. She's really turned the corner, but been just, I mean, her ability to do so many little things outside of scoring. Uh, she's a good rebounder for whatever, 5'5", five, five, whatever. She's a good rebounder. Yeah. She's very, you know, incredibly high basketball IQ, you know, great passer, great everything. I mean, she's been great the last month. Um, and then Stulkey last night played the best game she's had in a month. I mean, I just think this, this team, this team's clicking right now. I, I don't think they'll stub their toe, but uh, that could be the ultimate jinx there too. I'm with you. Um, the, the evolution of this team and, and one thing we do have to say, it's been great to see, you know, yeah, Hannah Stulkey, you know, Kate Martin's going to do those little things. Gabby, hopefully she finds her shot again and all those different kind of little things. Caitlin Clark's elevated even more this year. I mean, the consistency that she plays with, the confidence that she plays with, confidence has never been an issue for Caitlin Clark, but her game has grown even more this year with a different kind of supporting cast. Yet every single time you can anticipate she's going to have 30 points and eight rebounds and eight assists and just the ability to play at that kind of level game in and game out. I think we take it for granted, but we just shouldn't. And we're coming down. We only got a, what a handful of games left here in the regular season. We shouldn't be taking it for granted, but I, I know I fall victim to that sometimes too. And then you just look and you look at a game log and you're like, good God, to do this every single time is amazing. Yeah. For for purely selfish reasons, I hope she doesn't score all that much the next few games because I, I want her to break the record at home. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there on the uh, Michigan game on the 15th, but I think she she's what 100 and she, she has to, if she averages 35 points a game, she'll break it at Nebraska. So she needs to average what 32 points a game the next 30 so she can break it at home. Selfish. That's all right. That's yes. all right. I, I completely understand yeah. that one. And it'll be another great moment as we're running low. I was uh, taking a look and seeing uh, the calendar, seeing if I could find some tickets for one of the remaining games in Carver. I saw senior game, uh, senior day against Ohio state. I think the get in price to have a pair, was 495 bucks up in the upper corner at Carver. Um, that's that's what we're talking about right now. And not gonna I'll sell you mine for 450 a piece right oh, now. Man. You know, oh man, you're not a surprise coming from Biz on that one. We'll I, that one just to be clear, I've never sold any of my tickets for one penny. I've given I've given them to about 50 different people. So, yeah, well, Biz, it, um, the other side of the equation is the men's team, and there was an opportunity here to. To at least get a little bit of hope going into February, weren't able to do it. A Indiana game, you get down 17, you come roaring back. I thought they were winning the game. I, I really did. And, and Sanford was his foot on the line. We never had a great angle to see if he did or not. Late game situation, leaving wide open shooters. It's it just, it's kind of more of the same. Some of the things defensively certainly we're used to with Fran, but the frustrations, I think we're both Fran guys definitely. And we've talked about that in the past, but this fan base, they're not on the Fran train anymore. No, and I know it's popular to bash the team. I know, but I'll take the other route. I like this team. I've enjoyed watching this team. They're they're not a good basketball team necessarily. I mean, they're they're probably the somewhere between the seventh and twelfth, twelfth best team in the Big Ten right now. I mean, they're not a great basketball team, but they played really hard basketball. I mean, we talked about this a month ago at zero and three. They could have packed it in, and you know, just had a debacle of a season. They could have been what, what. Four and sixteen, the Big Ten. Instead, since then they they've went four and three, and the three losses are two games that they let slip away in the last two minutes, and a loss to Purdue where they battled their butts off. So, I don't know. I, I've enjoyed the last month, and are they going to make the tournament? Probably not. But you know, you look at the schedule. They win the next three, which are very 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 winnable games. You got Ohio State, 
you got at Penn State, you got home versus Minnesota. You win those three, two weeks from now, you're you're, you're at least in the you're in the picture. I mean, do you have any hope? I think they have to win the two home games against Illinois and Wisconsin because you got to get some some resume builders on there. We have none right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're going to make sure probably not, but I. I've enjoyed this team. They're like I said, they're limited talent wise, but they play hard night in, night out. They, uh, you know, they, at times they've been defensively adequate. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, it's it's fun to bash this team. It's fun to talk about the terrible attendance, but I'm gonna take the other out. I've enjoyed this team. Like they, they are what they are. We coming into this year, we knew they weren't going to be great, and they're not great, but they play hard. So going to Harbor Friday. I'm a, I'm a basketball nerd, so I I, I like watching. You know, I, I still I still marvel at. You can bash Fran for all you want, but the man is a offensive basketball genius. We play beautiful offensive basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch across the nation. There aren't many teams that play a better, prettier brand of offensive basketball. Than us. There's teams that are 10 times more talented. Right. There's teams that are, you know, you, you, we can't keep up with athleticism wise and like that, but man, you watch us play. I mean, the man is a offensive genius. I mean, it, it's, it's fun basketball. I mean, I, it's, it, it can be infuriating on the other end when you can't guard anybody, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to take the positive route on this team. I, I've enjoyed watching them. I think they've, uh, I think Fran's done a good job of keeping this team together. There's been a lot of stuff going on this year and we've, they've stuck together. They keep playing hard. So I'm, I'm not giving up on them yet. I think they got a chance to make a run still in the last month. Yeah. I mean, the schedule's still there. Uh, now they just got to pile them up and the wiggle room, that was there, and the hope is gone. And with the end-of-season schedule, twice with Illinois, going to Michigan State, going to Northwestern, those are going to be incredibly difficult games. It's going to be a tough stretch, but got to win these games now and get a little bit of a winning streak. Well, Biz, good to catch up with you again. We will do it again soon here and continue talking a lot of Hawks. Tim Lester, we'll see. And next week we'll get the press conference, it sounds like, early in the week and hear a little bit more from him as the offensive coordinator. Thanks, Biz. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, go Hawks.